I'm not on. Okay, there we go. Well, if you, uh, if you, one of your New Year's resolutions was to be in church every Sunday, congratulations. You started out right, amen? Well, just keep on, and don't let it like all the other New Year's resolutions just kind of slide over time, right? Uh, speaking of New Year's resolutions, uh, one guy said, I resolve to read more this coming year. That's good, except he said, so I, I'm going to turn on the subtitles on my TV. <laughs> Probably not the best way to read more. Anyway, uh, another guy said, uh, and I can identify with this one, this year I'm going to make a resolution I can keep. No dieting all year. And then if you're like others that get tired of people talking about New Year's resolutions, then uh, you can be the, make this one. My New Year's resolution is to stop hanging out with people who always ask me about my New Year's resolution. So there you go. We're going to turn to Mark chapter number 14 and look at the scripture and hopefully get some help and guidance this morning. It's good to be in God's house with God's people. It's always encouraging to be around good people, isn't it? Just make sure that you're one of those good people. And we're really always not good people. That's why we come to church, so we can get helped from God's word and get corrected and hopefully become a little better person. Uh, someone, I read a sign once in the back of someone's church that said, come as you are, but don't leave as you came. So uh, good advice there. Mark chapter number 14, verse number 3, and we'll read uh, through verse 9. It says, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head, on Jesus' head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible and that it does give us so much instruction. It, it sheds light on our path as we navigate through this dark world and murky waters and we're just asking that you would uh, illuminate our minds, our hearts, that we would be challenged from your word. Lord, this message uh, is meant to challenge us, to help us, and to uh, point us in the right direction. And Lord, may I not say things that you wouldn't have me say or stress things that would be unwarranted, but Lord, I just pray you'd fill in the gaps, and Holy Spirit, you'd be our teacher and, and get across the, to each one of us what you want us to learn. Lord, I know this was a challenge to me, 
and I pray that will be to others. We pray now that you be glorified through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title of the message is this. What do you do? What do you do? So I'll ask you another question. What are you planning to do with your life this year? It's like, uh, live? Right. <laughs> um, it's easy just to get in a rut, isn't it? And sometimes we just let life carry us along. We, we kind of react to whatever comes our way and, and well, we'll just see what, 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 what comes my way and I'll deal with it as it goes along. You know, we just finished 2023 and it's good to reflect and to ask ourselves what we've accomplished for the Lord or maybe a better way to say what the Lord was able to accomplish through us when we were willing to follow him. Uh, as we enter into 2024, we're almost a week in now, uh, we should consider what we're going to do for him in this new year. Have you done that? Have you considered what you're going to do for him, what you're going to do differently with your life and do something more productive. Uh, good question to ask is, what are you doing with your life right now? I mean, if we make no changes, then we're going to be doing what we were doing. So all of us do something. But exactly what do you do? That's a good question for us to ask. Um, and I want to just get right into the message then. Uh, we, we just read about a lady in the scripture here, she did what she could. She was commended for that. We'll get back to her near the end of the sermon. But uh, contrasting to doing what, uh, what, what, you, what you could do, oftentimes, and this is the first point, some do what they would. I want you to turn with me back to Psalm 81. We'll be back in Mark 14 later. But right now we're going to head to Psalm 81. We're going to be Looking at several different passages, hope you can uh, turn to those with me. In Psalm 81, the Lord longed to be a blessing and to pour out his rich blessings on his people, Israel. And they had opportunity, great opportunity, just like we have opportunity. And he made this statement there in verse number 10. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. I mean, isn't that a blessing? God delivered them, and he's delivered us too from bondage. They were in bondage in Egypt. And if, if you're saved, you were in bondage in sin, and God delivered you and, and brought you out of that bondage. He said, I brought thee out of the land of bondage. He said, open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. So I'm not done blessing you. I brought you out so I could do more for you. He said, open up your mouth. I'll fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Get the word there. They would none of me. Again, here we started with a lady who did what she could, and here we're considering the idea that some people do what they would. They would not listen to him. He said, so, um, in verse number 12, so I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. God wanted to bless them, but they wouldn't listen to him. They would have nothing to do with his ways. And they wanted their own thing. And we get the same way. We come to church, we hear what we should do, 
And sometimes we walk out and we say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care. And young people growing up many times, mom and dad say one thing, and it's like, I don't care what you say. When you're not around, I'm going to do what I want to do. People do that at work. It's not just young people. Boss says to do something, boss is away. Right, right? What's it say? The, the old expression, when the cat's away, the mice will play. The boss walks out the door, and then everyone just kind of starts loafing, uh, loafing and goofing off or doing their own thing. And God, again, he, he, he wanted to bless them, and they missed out on his blessings because they would none of his ways. They wanted nothing to do with him. That, that's not a good life, right? Anyone who's more concerned about what they want to do are going to lose God's blessings. We think we're going to, oh, my life's going to be better because I do what I want to do. No, it's going to be worse. Not only do we lose blessings, but doing our own thing tends to lead to judgment. Turn with me now um, over to Proverbs chapter number 1. That's the next book over from Psalm, Proverbs chapter number 1. And there's some pretty sobering words in here. Some of you would say, well, I can't believe God would say this. But it's true um, what God has to say. Because the Lord's trying to get people to listen to him and to follow him. And he doesn't like it when people turn against him. Actually, we're going to start in verse 23. Uh, Proverbs 1, verse 23. He said, turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. So God's saying, please turn. I want to help you. I want to instruct you. I want to give you some direction, some purpose in life. And verse 24, because I have called and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand. And no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. The idea, again, is some people do what they would. He said, you would none of my reproof. You would have nothing to do with what I have said. So what happens when, when we... Don't want to listen to God. Well, when we don't want to listen to God, we're going to have troubles. And then when we have troubles, here's the part that you'd say, I can't believe God would be this way. Look in verse, the next verse, verse 26. He said, you do this? He says, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. You say, no, that doesn't make sense. That's not the loving God. No, the loving God says, do this. And when we say, I, I want nothing to do with what you want, and we get ourselves in a bind, I'm not saying God's not merciful, because the Bible does say he's merciful, but there are times when God says, hey, you're, you're going you're gonna to reap what you've sown. Doing what we would, there is a price to it. There is a price to it. Now turn with me over to um, Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter 22. Now here we have uh, the parable of the marriage feast, and, and, and Jesus gave this parable, and he's, he was trying to get the, the people to see, the, the, the Israel to see, that he wanted them to come to him. They didn't want to come to him, and eventually he uh, 
turned and gave the gospel to the Gentiles. But I want you to see uh, something out of verse 3, but we'll start in verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king. So here's a king which made a marriage for his son, and that son would represent Jesus, and, and sent forth his servants, uh, that would be the prophets, to call them that were bidden to the wedding, that would be the, 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 the Jewish people, and they, what's the next word? Next two words, would not. They would not come. They were invited, but they would not come. In the same way, we are all invited to have a relationship with God, to walk with God, to know God. But many people would rather do something else. I'd rather go do this, a relationship with God. Well, that's, that's so boring. That's for old people. That's for people who are weak and can't do anything on their own. That's for people who have big problems. Not me. Oh, Wow. So there's problems when we would not follow God, when we would do what we would. And in Matthew 23, that's the next chapter over, in verse number 37, we have uh, another thought here. Jesus said unto them, thou shalt love, uh, I am 23, okay, I'm reading the wrong chapter. 23, yeah, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. And he's got an exclamation point there. Ye would not. I tried to gather you. I tried to help you. I tried to bring you along. I tried to lead you. I tried to protect you. But ye would not. You wanted nothing to do with me. How sad. You witness to people, they want nothing to do with God. People come to church, they want nothing to do with God. You try to uh, help loved ones, they want nothing to do with God. And you know the end. They don't see it, though. It doesn't say that they could not. It says they would not. So in other words, we all have a choice. And too many times we do what we would, not what God would have us do. Uh, you know, God gives us Sunday and Thursday evening services. Isn't that a blessing to be able to come to church more than just Sunday morning? I think so. They're available for us to come, to listen, to learn, to grow, and to be better people. But some would not come. They would rather do something else. We have opportunities to reach the lost, available on Saturdays through different ministries and outreach opportunities. But some would rather do something else instead. We could all have good, godly friends that would help us and strengthen us and sharpen us. But some would rather have their worldly friends that will bring them down the path that they want to go down. So people who do what they would end up with a broken relationship with God and a life that's filled with trouble. Not quite like the lady that we read about earlier, the one that did what she could. So ask yourself, are you the one who's prone to doing what you would? It's a broken relationship with God and is going to be judgment in times of trouble. God doesn't want that. He loves us. He wants the best for us.
Let's move on to the second point, the second group of people. Uh, some do what they should. Praise the Lord for that, amen? It's always a blessing when you have kids and you tell them what to do and they actually do. It's like, wow, amen, you did what you should. That's a blessing. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great step. Maybe last year you were doing what you would and, and God changed your life and now you're on the right track. Amen for that. That's good that you're doing what you should. Uh, you send a child to clean their room, and then oftentimes you'll find them playing instead of cleaning, right? Uh, they're doing what they would instead of what they should. And as they grow up, hopefully, and they, they get taught and disciplined and challenged and all that, uh, they gain some responsibility, and then they start cleaning as they were told to. That is doing what they should, not what they would. Uh, I, I look back over the, my many years in ministry, and much of my time I was thinking about this uh, has been spent in ministry, whether it's teaching, preaching, just trying to get people to simply do what they should. I think probably every pastor, everyone in ministry could probably think that that's the way. Uh, if Mr. Reinhardt was in here, he's down in junior church, but if he was in here, he'd probably say the same thing as the principal. Much of his time is spent just trying to get kids to do what they should do. Uh, same thing for dorm supervisors, right, <laughs> in the college. They're just trying to get people to do what they should. You, you know, get up on time, go to bed on time, do this, do, whatever it is, clean your room. Uh, and just, just, just thinking, again, and go back to in the ministry, just trying to get people to do what they should. People should be faithful to church. People should be tithe. They, they, they should tithe. They should read their Bibles every day. They should separate from the world and ungodliness. They should flee temptation. They should tell others about Jesus. They should uh, help people who are hurting. They should invite people to church. All of this. And so doing what we should is a great step above doing what we would. However, we're not heroes for doing what we should. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter 17. You say, well, I do what I should. Why does, you know, don't, don't expect anything more from me. I've done enough. I do more than what other people do, we, we sometimes will say. But that's not really the right attitude to have. And I, I want you to see this again from Scripture. And we'll, this is a parable that Jesus gave, and we'll see this in Luke 17, verses 7 through 10. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, this is his job, he's out there doing that, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, right? his, day, his work day is not over, but he's coming in. He's not going to say, uh, go and sit down to meet. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? He says, I trow not, I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say this, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, 
Jesus is not telling us that if we do what we should do, that he looks down on it and despises it and says, I don't recognize that. That's That's not what he's saying. He's talking about the attitude that we should have about ourselves. That when we have done everything that we've been told to do, we should consider ourselves as merely unprofitable. We shouldn't be content. We should not think that we're great because we've done the minimum, done what was expected of us. The unprofitable servant here does only what's required of him. And we shouldn't consider ourselves special just because we did what we were told to do. I mean, we're in this day and age, everyone gets a participation ribbon. I mean, you get an award. You may as well just give out trophies to everybody for just showing up, right? Um, consider the Apostle Paul's attitude. Now, we consider him a great man of God and did tremendous things for the Lord. He said this, unto, and you don't have to turn here, but Ephesians 3, 8, he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. He said, I am less than the least of all saints. I look at Paul as a pretty good Christian. He was a great servant of God. We would say he was a great servant of God. He didn't think so. He didn't put himself in that category. He said, I'm less than the least. I think he was kind of following along what Jesus had said he, back there in Luke 17, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. He, uh, he was very important, but he had a very humble opinion of himself. He said also in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, again, you don't have to turn there. He says, for I am the least of the apostles. Now, we often think he was the greatest of the apostles. I mean, he penned more of the New Testament than anybody else. So we look at him as the greatest of the apostles. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. So he did what he should do, and yet he didn't think that was enough. And I guess that was the point of Jesus. We're not a hero, and we shouldn't consider ourselves a hero and, and some special gift to the church and the gift to the world if we just show up and do what we're supposed to do. Some do what they would, and that's not good. But it is good when we start doing what we should. Again, Paul sacrificed, he served, he suffered greatly. But his attitude was that he was nobody special. And maybe that's why he was so great after all. Amen? He was simply doing what he should do. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter number 12. A familiar verse to many of us. But good for us to see. Because I want you to to see a, a particular word here. In Romans chapter number 12, and this is an attitude that we should all have, he said, I beseech you, verse number one, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is, what are the next two words? Or your next three words, your reasonable service. So laying down our lives and sacrificing our lives for others, that's what this verse is talking about. That sounds pretty tough. That sounds pretty important. That sounds, wow, if you do that, that's pretty good. But God says it's our reasonable service. So, again, 
I stress that if you start doing what's right and you're starting to move ahead and not doing what you would do, it's a great step. Praise the Lord that you're starting to do some of those things that you should. You're starting to read the Bible. You're starting to, 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 to witness and pass out tracts or whatever. Amen. I'm not mitigating that at all. However, some of us have been doing those things. And there is a higher level of spirituality that we need to strive for. And that's our third and final point. Some do what they would. Some do what they should, which is an improvement. But then some do what they could. And we'll go back to Mark chapter 14 for this. Mark chapter 14. The woman in our text was named Mary. She was with others in the house where Jesus was. And all, you think about it, they were all doing what they should because they were there listening to Jesus. So that's a good thing. They, they could all be commended because they were doing what they should. They were with Jesus. That's a good step. Amen. However, Mary wasn't satisfied with only doing what she should. She did a little bit more. Actually, she did a lot more. Uh, she did, as what the Bible says, she did what she could. Interesting. She heard the same preaching that everybody else heard. But her actions were different. She did what she could. There were some things she could not do. Jesus was talking about his death. She could not stop his death on the cross. It's possible she could not understand completely why he was dying on the cross. But she did know that he was going to die on the cross. And she came with that special ointment to anoint him before his burying. She wanted to do something special for him. She could do something. Something she couldn't do, but she could do something. And she, again, anointed him with this precious ointment. Other people were, you know, uh, complaining, saying that she wasted all that. But she had faith to believe his word. He had said he was going to die, and she believed it, and she did something. In verse number 7, we'll read that again. For ye have the poor with you always, whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always. Jesus said they would not have him around forever. And so she did something while she had the opportunity, which brings us to a great application for our lives. We're not going to be here forever. The time to do something for God is now. It's now. Can, um, what, what more can you do for the Lord? I don't know what God wants you to do. Let me just ask, could you go to the mission field? So I, I'm older. Yeah, the Armacosts, they're going. He's pretty established here. He said, no, it's time. God said, go, I'm going. Only one life will soon be passed. Opportunity to reach people. Could uh, you help people who have nobody to help them? Could you get involved in the nursing home ministry and reach people before they slip into eternity? I would think, talking to Brother O'Hare, that he wouldn't say that that's been wasted time. 
Could you revamp your prayer list and pray a little bit more? Pray a little bit more effectively? Pray for those needs that you say, oh, I should have been praying for that. You ever have that happen? Someone so thank you for praying for this. And you're like, how much should I pray for that? Could you pass up more tracks? Could you write letters to lost loved ones? Say, I, I understand the older we get, the less our body cooperates. There are, there are times where we can't do what we used to do. And you're saying, well, you're talking about doing more. Sometimes we just, people just give up, though. Well, I can't do this, so I'm just going to sit around and do nothing. I've used this illustration before. I remember my grandmother, she, she couldn't get out and do much, but she wrote letters. She wrote letters to so many of our unsaved, handwritten letters to unsaved relatives, given the gospel time and time again, doing what she could. God's, isn't that exciting? God's not expecting us to do what we can't do. But just do what we can. And he commended her for doing what she could. He's not going to get upset with you for, doing, for, for not doing something you can't do. Could you give up some time on social media to read the Bible more? Ooh, how about this one? Could you memorize another passage of Scripture this year? So I did 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 17 last year, and that was quite an accomplishment, and it was. Could you do another passage? Could you go above and beyond in some other area? Do you want to go above and beyond? Will you go above and beyond? Some do what they would, some do what they should, and some do what they could. It all comes down to choices, doesn't it? Look with me there in verse number 6. And Jesus said, after they were given her a hard time, he said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Jesus paid a compliment. He said it was a good work. What was a good work? She did what she could, and God said that was good. It's good if you do what you can do for the Lord. And it gets his attention. God likes it when we rise above just doing our duty and doing more than what we should. I want you to uh, turn uh, back to Matthew chapter 26 with me. Matthew 26. Jesus was with the disciples and... He asked them to pray. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane with them. He was really going through it. And in verse 38, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. So he's asking them to pray. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And when he cometh unto the disciples, he findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Here's our word. Could ye not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you pray for one hour? 
Yes, they could have. But they didn't. They should have. They could have. But they would not. They slept. I wonder how often we're sleeping on the Savior and doing what we would do, not what we should do, not what we could do. So again, this, this time I'm just throwing this sermon, this idea out here this morning could we do a little bit more for the Lord? And this, the answer is we can. And if we, if we can, then we should. How about the four men uh, with a sick friend? They brought the man to Jesus and they got, got him to the house, but they couldn't get into the house. And the Bible even says that they could not. Uh, they did what they should. They got the man to, you know, to try to get him to Jesus, but they didn't stop by just doing what they should because they ran into obstacles. They got up on top of the roof, they opened up the roof, and they lowered him down, and they got him to him. They found a way. They went above and beyond, not doing just what they should. Well, I tried. They did what they could and succeeded. How about Jesus uh, watching the people give? And the widow, who was so poor, she gave her two mites, those mites were just a fraction of a penny. Uh, and he was impressed with her giving. And you say, why? Well, she didn't have much. Uh, and maybe what she was giving, she, she could have, let me say it this way, she could have just given her 10%. She didn't have much, so she could have just given 10%. But instead, she gave everything she had. She did what she could. Giving the tithe, the 10%, would have been what she should. But she went over and above and did what she could because she wanted to. He wasn't impressed with all the rich people who gave in of their abundance. They were just giving what they would. Not necessarily what they should or necessarily what they could. So I think God's impressed with the could-be people, amen? The people who do what they could. We should do what we should, but then we need to go to the next step and do what we could. What can you do a little bit extra for the Lord this year? I'm not trying to suggest what that is, but maybe God's been working on your heart in some areas. Well, review that and determine to do something about what he's already been working in your heart about. Fanny Crosby lived many years ago. She was a blind woman, as many of us know. If you're not familiar with her story, um, again, blind, but didn't let that limit her. She, she could not see what others could see, and yet she was faithful to church. And if she had only been faithful to church... That would have been doing what she should, and people would have said, that's good. She's doing what she, she, she should. She's coming to church. And, and no one would have made feel ba bad if she was just merely a church attender. No one would have looked down on her and said, she's blind, she's hindered. However, she wasn't content with just being a church attender. She wanted to do what she could. And she wrote about things that she could not even see. And she wrote hundreds of hymn, hymns 
and many of which we sing today. And on her gravestone, the words were found that we read in our text, Mark 14, 8, she hath done what she could. If you were to die today, could those be words be written on your gravestone? He or she has done what they could. That's convicting. So my question for you today is, what more can you do for the Lord? Ask him. Have faith that God can use you to do something for him. You might not get a lot of attention. It might be behind the scenes, but that's okay. What have you done with your life? A better question would be, what will you do with your life? Perhaps you need a change. You know, sin and selfishness surely makes a mess of things, doesn't it? We get ourselves into so much trouble. But change starts with salvation. None of us are capable of being what the Lord wants us to be or doing what the Lord wants us to do until we are born again. The Bible talks about being born again. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, ye must be born again. That's a new birth. It's a birth from above. You know, uh, what we need is new life. We talk about New Year's resolutions, but that won't change your life. Only Jesus can transform your life. You don't need to turn over a new leaf. You need a new life. And Jesus told us how we could get that. He said, repent ye and believe the gospel. Look at your sin and see, this is not my friend. (laughs) This is what's caused me all this trouble. God hates it. And I need to have a different attitude toward it. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to change my mind about this. And I'm going to say, this isn't what I need. I want to turn to God. And I need his help. He said, repent ye and believe the gospel. The gospel, the word gospel literally means good news. And what's the good news? And in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about that, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. My sins were punished. I can be forgiven because Jesus has paid for them on the cross. I can't pay for them by by living an an exemplary life because I've failed over and over. I, I can't earn salvation and neither can you. And that's good news that we can't do it on our own. And it's even better news that Jesus paid the price that we couldn't pay. And he's willing to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves. If we could save ourselves, we'd be the Savior. We wouldn't need a Savior. But we just celebrated Christmas. A Savior is born. He's the Savior. We need a Savior. And he's willing to save our soul. That means to deliver us, to rescue us from our sin and the penalty of sin and the the power that sin has over us. We can have victory. So we need to repent and believe the gospel, put our faith in what Jesus did for us. Not faith in our works, not faith in ourselves, not faith in our church memberships, faith in Jesus. And he is willing to help us. If you're ready to repent of your sin and to ask Jesus to come into your life, he will. And he'll completely change your life. And he'll empower you not just to do what you would and face judgment, but to do what you 
should and could. You'll actually even want to do more for the Lord. <laughs> Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He wants to make your life completely new and change you. And that's what salvation does. I'd like to ask us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're heading into what we call our invitation time.